Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group, and joining me is Associate Hannah Garcia. Hello, everybody. Today, we're wrapping up the week of January 15th, 2024 in Austin politics, and uh, it's been an interesting week. It's definitely been a week. A lot of, a lot of news, some not unexpected and some very unexpected, did you say? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So we're going to start at the top. Um, we're recording this in 4.30 on Friday again, and this just broke, but there, the news that our former Austin police chief... Our Arcevedo has been re or hired has been yeah rehired by the city of Austin under interim city manager Jesus Garza. Yeah, he's in a, he's in a new role than he was last time. But he's back. And what is the role? It is a assistant city manager role. We're unsure of how exactly that fits into the org chart right now. Which you had just revised. Yes, and you know I think I made jokes about this of me having to immediately revise it again, and um, maybe I should knock on wood next time because I actually did have to revise it again. But yeah, we're still waiting on more information from the city as to how exactly um, this city manage this assistant city manager role will work in tandem or with um, the assistant city manager role that Bruce Mills currently has. Yeah, for for those who are unaware of how city hall works, the city manager, as we've said in some prior shows, is the CEO of the city. They're the highest ranking city employee. They are hired and fired by council. Council serves as Council serves as the policy making advisory making board for the C the C manager the CEO. Under the CEO are several assistant C manager positions. Uh, historically, that's been mo- one over mobility, one over public safety, um, one over what probably am I missing? Um, there's some other like uh, public health yeah. and so on, economic development. And uh, but in this new role, uh, as Hannah mentioned, uh, former Chief Acevedo will be directly, his purview will be directly over APD and report him, he himself reporting to City Manager Garza. Currently, as we understand it, there is an Assistant City Manager, Bruce Mills, an Interim City Manager who came under Garza last spring, whose purview includes APD, Austin, Austin Police, Austin EMS, and Austin Fire. So again, we're not sure how that's going to work, and it, there wasn't any indication that uh, assistant manager Mills's responsibilities were going to change anyway. Yeah, yeah. It said he'll remain over Austin Fire and um, EMS as well as portions of APD. Yes. So still, still waiting to learn how that will um, come out. And the city hadn't updated its org chart since last September, mm-hmm. so I think this is a perfect time for them to um, step up and, and do that to to give some clarification. Mm-hmm. And all of this under you know we have a current interim police chief. Henderson. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to say it's underscoring of an understatement to say the least about how this is going to be implemented. And we have seen some early reactions from council. Um, council member Allison Alter um, is very vocal on, on on Twitter about this or X. And as well so the other council members have chimed in as well. So we'll be adding links to that um, as they're posted, but from from my I've seen um I've seen on social media it seems a council and again the city manager y'all to backtrack the city manager role as we've said in prior episodes is very powerful is very important um for 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 everything that goes on in this city and this is a good example of that the city manager in that capacity does not have to tell council or ask for council's advice about a hire. In this role, as I understood it, he might have. We actually we don't know if he spoke to council prior or not, 
but he does not have to. And I think that, you know, the 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 power of this for the, if I think the ripples of this one, I think hopefully get people to understand if they're not already the impact of what or to condone. I'm no doubt that we'll see ripples of this next week. Yes, I, I definitely think we will. And into the next council meeting. Oh, yes. I would not be surprised if we saw a lot of public um, input, you know, both for and against this hire, um, along with the multitude of other things the public will be speaking at on that um, that council meeting, as well as work session. You know, um, we don't know oh, what's yes. going to be added to that agenda. We have not seen it yet. And so... Um, not only that, but we have council committees meeting, so there's a lot of times for them to voice any mm-hmm. and all frustration um, they may have. Or um, so well, we shall see. We shall see. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, my so my you know my fraternity had a saying: loved or hated, but never ignored. And our chief Osavedo is definitely, I think, one of those figures. Right? You don't people have an opinion on him, and I think you've already, we've already seen just from the the postings and, the, and and shout out to the Austin State when they broke the story, Austin American Statesman, but. Just looking at the comments thus far, it's only been up you know, maybe an hour or so. I mean, there, people have an opinion one way or another. There are folks, there are folks on there who, again, there is a there is a thread. I think a public perception for some that the Austin Council is is anti police or you know defunding you know because of votes are taken in the past and then people's impressions of that. Right, I think for some. And just based off what we're seeing on social media, and also people who have messaged me directly, you know, I posted, I reshared it already on Instagram. But there are folks who, you know, this is like he's been, he hasn't been a chief for five years, so they see, they see the council, a lot of people at the council not liking him. For some people in Austin, that's all they need to know, yeah. right? And that's just, I think that's a factual. I mean, well, it's an anecdotal, but I think it's not educated observation. It's there are there are. Tons of there are tons of people out in Austin who have been here less than five years. Yeah, yeah. And I think to the degree there are a lot of folks who are wondering why does council, some members of council, or why is he so polarizing to certain folks, you know, who are insiders in the political sphere, right? To the degree that people don't know, and I think there's a lot of people that don't know, even people who have been here for a long time, right? Yeah. I mean, five years. Think about what happened in the last five years in Austin. Yeah. Right. A lot of things. It's a lot of things that happen. No, I definitely think there's there's definitely going to be a lot of people that maybe think they hate him. Simply, not hate him, but they don't like his hiring because he's a cop rather than because of actions he may have done in mm-hmm. the past. And there'll be, on the flip side, there are folks who are going to love him because he's a cop. Yes, exactly. And so, because council doesn't like him. Yeah. So, but again, at this point, it, you know, council, they came back into session this week. Um, they'll be back in session the week after next. You know, so I think this also, you know, it was in keeping with interim city manager Garza's style for news broke on a Friday. I mean, earlier than I thought it would, broke around 3.30, right? Expected. I thought it would be something that happened at 6. Yeah. But Friday news, and here we are. And so, you know, okay, after this one, I don't know what else. I don't know. This is truly surprising to everyone, right? Y'all, I don't know what else is out there that could come back and do it. I'm thinking of like, it's like a telenovela, right? It's yeah. just that... The person you thought was dead for like seven years pops back into the show all of a no, sudden. For real, like, cut I, scene. Like, I, I was, don't... I was, I think, like a freshman in college whenever Acevedo was, um, was chief here, and then, and then I, but I still like remember him in the news pretty consistently, just in Houston, and then when he went to Miami, just because 
watching the news when I was um, in college. I, you know, I got sent back home during 2020, and that's all I could do is watch the news. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, if if other kids are in a situation that were in college during that time that are are the voting block now are seeing that and saying, like, I remember seeing him in the news constantly. I think you're more of an outlier because <laughs> <laughs> maybe I think you're, you and your crew are friends, right? But that, the average uh, the average Austinite, I think, is probably focused on like, most things is, like, their job and their home. Yeah. That I mean, th- this kind of the average Austinite, not people who read the news and are, like, we're not, we're, yeah. we're insiders, right? Yeah, and then we, we know We should know what's going on. I think most people rely on us. Or, you know, we post news, we put research stories. It's that mid-low information segment, right? That yeah. this isn't their highest priority, what's going on at council, right? Or what's going on on the council message board. Even though for us, it is, right? Yeah, so, But I, I agree. I mean, I think it's, um, and again, of all the pe- of all folks, I mean, Chief Acevedo has a national profile, and he's weighed in on national issues in the last five years. <laughs> so we shall see. I think it's, but... As of now, Friday, he's back with the city. I think the contract he has was like two hundred and seventy-one hundred thousand dollars. Two seventy. Or two hundred and seventy-one. Yeah. Around two seventy. Yeah. So there we go. More to come on that, most certainly. And also in political news, we had the announcement of former council member Kathy Tovo, District Nine, um, who announced on Thursday she's seeking she's seeking like she's seeking to be Austin's next mayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts on that? Um, I think that, um, I expected her to run, you know, last cycle. Um, so this is a little bit, uh, not surprising, but I just, I just thought maybe she would wait until it was an open seat. So it's really interesting to see how she'll run her campaign. Um, you know, what she's going to come out against specifically with the mayor, because I think he's been relatively uncontroversial. Um, you know, maybe neighborhood organizations, um, might want to poke and point at very nitpicky things he may have voted on, but I, I think he... He kind of stood the middle ground where he kind of met the needs of the entire city and did a really good job addressing some really controversial things. And I and I think, you know, she's definitely um, got a different style for running meetings as well. So I'm not sure that she would get a lot of endorsements from the dais because, um, you know, meetings used to take eight hours for, you know, two items. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that was because council wanted to talk a lot on the dais. And, and she was definitely one of those... Um, people on the dais that was, you know, wanting to have those really, really big conversations about technical stuff. Very, she's very technical. And as, as a technical, like, land use nerd, I kind of loved it, but I, I remember seeing people's faces, like, falling asleep sometimes, because it is really, really technical and kind of boring sometimes if you're not, you know, weirdly obsessed with it. (laughs) And so I think she'll have a lot of support from, you know, neighborhood associations and, you know, the in- people who are um, really, really pro-protecting the environment mm. and um, potentially kind of either limiting or um, changing the way we develop things uh, in order to protect the environment. And so um, definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, who's how the splits will be, you know, who's going to get behind her and who's going to stay behind the current incumbent. Yeah, I think, you know, we're still early in the campaign cycle, right? I mean, the elections aren't until early voting will start in October. Uh, right now we're still in the middle of January, but I think with the news happened today, I mean, for, and for more context, y'all, right? So interim city manager Jesus Garza was appointed essentially by, it was appointed by Mayor Watson, right? And it's just a lot of things 
are, are, are intertwined here because I think the degree that this whole this whole move with Chief Acevedo, it could impact Mayor Watson because the line is it wasn't like a council that picked the it wasn't a council that picked to appoint interim manager Garza it was Mayor Watson and so not that's just and that's just I think objective view right like it's they're looking at this well and then what we've seen on social media too a lot of people are pointing kind of making that that alignment I think there's still plenty of time right again we're early in the year but again I didn't expect. The Acevedo thing was not something I expected at all. Mm-mm. And so maybe that's just where we are now, just expecting expected and was like the any given Sunday thing. It's until those votes happen in, in November, it's just for any person's game. Yeah, and another thing worth noting is the breakdown of the previous mayoral vote, you know, even in that runoff. It was a tight election. Tight runoff, very, sorry. Very tight runoff. Election. And obviously, you know, there was a different candidate. It was it was Celia Israel who was um, you know, very loved by East Austin. I think she did a great campaign as well. By the numbers, I mean, it was down 35. Yeah. and I-35. And, you know, they're both um, former Texas Ledge, you know, Kirk from the Senate and, and Celia in the House of Representatives. So they both, you know, were very, I think, both of them were very well qualified for mayor and could have could have done it. And they had a lot of, of love. You know, there wasn't a lot of, I, I don't think either of them had made very many enemies in this mm-hmm. city. I don't think either of them had done that. And so... Um, it'll just be interesting to see someone who was on the dais for as long as Kathy was um, and how, how she'll, she'll run her campaign and, and who will come out and support her. Yeah, she was on for about 10 years. Because mm-hmm. she, 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 that, that happened because the 10 won the vote for the city of Austin moved to a district system versus got, at large. She also did was, the petition. That too. was, But she carried over from the past, our past system into that mm-hmm. and then had a petition as well Dang, for the term. I didn't know so, that. So, yeah. So, you know, was if we had deans of the of the of the, the council, she would have been the dean of the council. Um, but more to more to come on that, and then uh, you know, we're I think the big news again, y'all, is this is going to be the ripples of Chief Acevedo's rehiring with the city manager, and I no doubt that this will ripple into next week. All right. Well, turning now to a new segment for the show for twenty twenty four, we have joining us Jack Craver. He is the author proprietor, all things of the Austin Politics newsletter. And as a disclosure, the firm is a subscriber, uh, just to that end. But Jack is 100% independent uh, news source. So Jack, welcome to the show. Thanks, AJ. Thanks. Always a pleasure to be on. I know we, uh, we caught up yesterday at City Hall, the first meeting of the year. And uh, I thought to kick things off, uh, my, my goal is to have you on periodically throughout the year. But start this show off, or this segment off, we're just talking about your thoughts in 2024, uh, such as they are, we had some, uh, I think, some, some big news points this week, starting with last night. So maybe we talked about that first with the announcement of Mayor Watson's first uh, challenger. Yes. Uh, former city council member Kathy Tovo declared her candidacy for mayor. Um, you all probably know uh, Kathy Tovo was um, council member for over a decade for, for, you know, 11 years, uh, she was first elected in 2011 and, and, and under the at-large system. And then she served and through 2022, um, it's was well known that she, she was thinking about running for mayor two years ago and was sort of convinced that it, it, it wasn't her year. Um, Kathy is, um, very much the, I, one of the, kind of icons of what you would call the the city's 
preservationist neighborhood uh, density skeptic movement, I'd say. Uh, they are very skeptical of, of development and have resisted, you know, increased development in, in established single family neighborhoods. Um, but in her campaign, uh, but, but of course she has many other, there are other elements to her brand. And what was interesting about her campaign announcement is she didn't say anything about, you know, what has historically been her, her, her signature, um, I'd say their signature brand, which is the sort of the land use, what I call land use conservatism mm -hmm. uh, or development skepticism. Uh, instead, she was just sort of stressing her progressive credentials, sort of the kind of progressive stuff that appeals to broad based, generic progressive voters. Um, she also stressed she also said she was against the I-35 expansion, which I thought was interesting. We'll see if that becomes a big issue. Um, How so? Just for folks who, I mean, I, I, I have a sense of why, but for those who aren't familiar with the, the discussion on that, why do you think that's uh, interesting? Well, because it's one of Mayor Watson's signature accomplishments in, in the state legislature was getting funding for the I-35 expansion. And I think when he, you know, and he continues to support it as mayor, although it's, and I mean, I think the conventional wisdom is that it's a done deal. It's it's in Texas. The state of Texas wants to do it and they can do it. Um, but there has been a burgeoning grassroots movement in opposition to the expansion that's really gained steam over the last year. And um, so it looks like uh, Kathy wants to wants to, um, you know, take advantage of that. Not saying, you know, she probably, she, you know, she might actually believe it too, but um, that, that, that's an opportunity for a very stark contrast with Watson, right? This is Watson's project. I'm against it, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, and, but so far, well, anyway, in, 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 in her announcement on her campaign material so far, she hasn't made any mention of Mayor Watson. Uh, there's no... You know, typically you think when a challenger to an incumbent declares the the sort of they have to make a case about why you need to oust the incumbent. And so right now she's just making that case very subtly, very implicitly, but she isn't making any direct criticism of Watson yet. We'll see if mm -hmm. that comes. Yeah, still still very early in campaign year, early yeah. year and in the campaign cycle. I know. I mean, I know. I know. Mayor Watson in several other interviews has expressed or stated he will be seeking re-election. He hasn't officially launched that campaign, but I presume that's on horizon yeah. at some point uh, this quarter or next. So yes, uh, yeah, and and it is notable. Um, he, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't begun raising money yet, and that was another thing that happened this week that I haven't written about yet is the uh, first campaign finance reports came out and uh, a number of incumbent council members have raised pretty, pretty decent money. Um, a, you know, uh, council member Fuentes, council member Kelly, um, a couple challengers pulled in some, some pretty big money, uh, Mike Siegel in district seven. Um, and uh, but but the mayor who is is known to be a prodigious fundraiser hasn't hasn't started yet. But I don't I, I'm guessing he doesn't he's not too worried about being able to, to raise the money he needs. No, I, I doubt he is. Uh, well, continuing on, just other thoughts on 2024. Yeah, well, I guess 
Obviously, um, I think a big thing coming up will be the the second phase of the home initiative, right? The big thing in December, I believe, or was it November, council voted to approve phase one, which was in the biggest th takeaway from that was allowing three units by right on every single family lot, yeah. right? Like non-controversial stuff. <laughs> I'm winking. I'm winking. It was very yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but that's the thing, right? Is phase two is even is much more ambitious, really, in the sense that uh, they're going to be talking about dramatically reducing the minimum lot size. Um, so that's the kind of thing we'll see. You know, and, and it, it it isn't as so basically, yeah. The 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 proposal that's been floated has been reducing the minimum lot size, which is currently 5,750 square feet, reducing it all the way down to 2,500 square feet, um, which for the record is not nearly as ambitious as Houston, which is 1,400 square feet. But 2,500, I mean, again, that's a more than 50% reduction. Um, it's the kind of thing that that if you're a, a an apps, you know, a defender of the, if you believe in the absolute sanctity of, of the, the current architectural character of the neighborhoods that's the kind of thing that makes you squirm um but uh yeah so we'll, we'll see if, if 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 they do it or if if a couple of people get cold feet um but that that could that could be a huge deal i mean taking it down to uh, 2500 square feet um and then there will there's some other important land use reforms that are on the horizon too um there's so as your listeners probably know, there was a recent, you know, uh, another court, yet another court ruling that struck down some of these land use reforms that were passed under the the Steve Adler Council. Um, and in theory, that shouldn't be such a big deal because some of these, for instance, the court struck down this very mild reform to compatibility. And as many of your list, compatibility is this regulation that basically prevents the building of building tall, tall apartments, tall commercial buildings within a certain distance of single family homes. And um, but I think and that that anyway, the court struck it down saying that people hadn't been given proper notice, but um, council was planning on approving a much bolder reform to compatibility anyway. And that's that's going to be that should be a big reform that's passed in 2024. Hopefully, you know, with all of the right notice and they get their their ducks in a line and 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 that could be a really important reform for allowing our major corridors to develop in the way that they should. Mm -hmm. um, getting more, more mixed use residential on these big corridors, um, which is good, not just in in terms of addressing our housing shortage, but also in terms of like, I think, um basically livening up our corridors you know when i walk down south lamar the, the parts of south lamar that i think are the most um vibrant and 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 places that people would want to be are the places where you have a new mixed use development and a nice new sidewalk in front um and you know some ground floor retail i i think it's a benefit to everyone right what are your thoughts on the on the uh, city manager search? That just, oh yeah, the post, the posting happened last. The posting went live. The official posting and that was went up last Monday. 
and it will be open through February 12th, about a month. What are your, just, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, cert the these big national executive searches. I, I, I don't envy that task. I don't know where to where I'd want to start. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to t what what you'd look for in a in a good city manager. And well, I I don't know how through the interview process you decide whether this this lady from Cincinnati, this guy from LA, like whether they'd make a good city manager of the city of Austin, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It's, it's arguably the, the most important thing city council does because the city manager is the CEO of this massive city bureaucracy. It's he or she oversees the, the machinery that, that makes our city work or not work. Um, and, uh, maybe, maybe a better way of putting it right is, uh, what do we, what do you think? Just, you know, you have a bias here, but just from observing like several cycles of city managers over the years, what is it the city of Austin doesn't need? Remember flipping, flipping it, right? Like to That's be a, a good, to be an effective city manager, just based off past, past efforts or past work, right? What do you think it would take to be, to be effective? Right. And then. Or, or what do we think it would be to be not effective? <laughs> and they do the opposite of that. So like well, we need someone who's a micromanager or someone who's more hands-off, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, no, you definitely don't want micromanaging. Um, I mean, I but maybe that's just sort of a principle of mine and in, in, in management in general. But I think what we saw, I mean, the, the, the city of Austin, its departments there there are a lot of deeply ingrained problems uh sort of cultural problems um process issues um that i mean ideally you have somebody who 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 looks at those and at first acknowledges them and you know, is serious about taking them on. And, and, and ideally, yes, I, I, but the thing, I don't know, I don't know. I, I just don't want to pretend that I have the answer to, to how you deal with these things. I'm not a management guru, um, yeah. but. And pin that I, thought too. I just want to ask some yeah. questions about that part as well. Um, well I, go ahead. I'll just say that. So under the Spencer Cronk regime, I mean, basically that I think the consensus is that it was essentially he was a largely hands-off city manager who sort of let the the departments do their own thing. And and that wasn't great because um they're they're just they're obviously a lot of the longstanding problems uh continued and um and there wasn't any vision from up above. There was no direction about, you know, what what we need to do as a city, what we need we what you need to do as a department to align with with the goals um and you know i guess i guess what i would look for from a city manager is is somebody who um has a, a strong belief in what in in the power and the good of city government and um sees the potential in every city department to um to do good and has, um, you know, 
see, I'm starting to talk like a McKinsey consultant. I don't know what the, you know, uh, <laughs> I just. Well, keeping it moving. I'm like that. I thought, so with, I'm curious, you know, just, and this is all from the, from the council message board. I know there are no pressure, but there was discussion of having a selection pit, a candidate selected by mid, early to mid-April. Which is, you know, if this process closes down in February and they have their candidates, I'm presuming, and this is based off just some just educated presumptions, that, you know, the search firm was selected last quarter, or last quarter, last October, I believe, right? Firms like that, you know, most people, your, your A players are folks who necessarily aren't looking, right? They get picked, right? And so at any given time, I'm just not making the presumption here, if I was in the search firm business, I have my roster of a, a talent that I know has said, hey, we're looking if, if the right thing presents itself, just so you're ahead of the, ahead of the, you know, before this comes. So it's posting, the posting's up. I, I think, you know, we will, I think we'll have, we'll have our, some final, we'll have finalists pick. I don't know who it could be by then. And, you know, by, we have by, so it closes in February. That gives us, you know, roughly, you, you think someone's selected by mid April, two, you know, at two months or so, eh, two ish months and made some change on that. Given the way councils moved on other major policy last year, right? You know, on, on land reform, land or LDC changes, and so on, I think it's feasible that you get it done. I was I was always curious about how much community engagement they would choose to do or not. I think in under past councils, it would have been for sure a six month process of outreach and so on. But given the, I think the amount of the amount of speed, it would, I think with, they've done deliberation, but they've been managed to pass really substantive issues and do outreach on their time and not just, I think what Austin's known for is, you know, kind of overextended community engagement. What are your thoughts on that? My point is, I think, the last thing, I think they, I think they can get it done in April. I, I, I think I'm 90% confident or above that they'll have someone's a pick by mid-April. Oh, wow. Uh I'm not joining you in that optimism, but I love it. Um, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I don't. I, I, I have, I have no idea, and I don't. It's not like crafting policy where I can necessarily. It, it's not a sausage making process necessarily. Um, but I, I was just under the impression it would it would take a little longer than that, uh, yeah. that it would be something that would happen in the summer. It, it would be if we are going to hire somebody. It'll be interesting to see, you know, because the problem is we have the budget coming up right in August, September. So it would be awkward to bring somebody in right around that time. It would be kind of ideal to bring yeah. somebody in in around April. Well, to clarify it too. the plan, the, the timeline was still for. Uh, interim C manager Garza to be on that in the C manager role through this next this next budget cycle. I right, think the goal okay. was they're going to have a hire. Like I mean, they can make the make the offer. I think that was the goal. Make the offer, but that person wouldn't start until after the this next budget. So I think that was a plan to have someone starting by September first at the earliest of this year. But interim C manager Garza would be would be in the driver's seat through this like, next budget cycle through the summer. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, just clarifying that. I mean, it wasn't that person to come in and start today because I don't think that's a lot of reasons that's not feasible at all. Um, you know, but the off, I think that the offer will be made, and that's you know, from there, presumably, depends the person accepts it or not. But 
I think an offer, maybe to, to qualify what I said earlier, I believe an offer could be made just get by mid early mid April, depending on also depending on the candidate pool, candidate pool, right? Um, but presuming you know this is for, for even for folks who say Austin, you know, they have their pains with the city of Austin. I'm I'm by you know, I'm I, I'm biased on Austin. I love the city. I think it's tremendous tremendous growth here and tremendous opportunity for the right person. And uh, I think we this will opportunity will attract some A level talent. And uh, you know. And then from there, it really depends on the, you know, the council and how they want to set up the process. But I think I, I just I don't I don't I'm not in the impression this council based off last year's policy making and what they were able to achieve, you know, love them, love them or hate them for it. Um, will has a taste to have a process go longer than like six months, you know, under prior councils, I would have thought that's probably on average what it would be. You know, maybe you go to May. Right. And again, this isn't the person starts, but I think that an offer is made. Now, the caveat to my caveat being, it depends on the candidate pool. I think we'll get some 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 high quality candidates. Not knowing, but I'm just making a presumption. I, I would hope so. I think that you know, 400 grand should bring you know bring out a lot of talented people to be um, city manager of the tenth largest city. And yet, uh, you know, I frequently hear from people who say, "Oh, we do, you know, it's not enough money. We can't get good talent for that." But you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's a different world than the one I live in, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think people realize, too, I mean, that, like, there's a lot, you know, that's a, after a certain point of money, like, on the flip side, I don't, I wouldn't do it, for, I wouldn't do it for any amount of money. Right, right, right. I'm aware of it, like, that's a lot, I mean, to your point about responsibility, like, and not just, this isn't just, uh, you know, P&L chart, I mean, it's P&L, but it's also P it's human lives. Like, you know, we saw his last, this last week, thankfully wasn't a major storm. It wasn't as drastic of a storm as it could have been, but the airport and public safety, you know, fire, police, EMS, it's not just uh, my, you know, shareholder value and doing everything else. It's real lives in this job that I am not, a, I, I'm not emotionally equipped for, you know? Right. No, it's, yeah. it's serious stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I just since we're recording, if you want, you can ask. I, I think I can give you a, a more coherent response to your earlier question about like what we should look for in a city manager. Please keep them rolling. All right. Yeah, I think that ideally a, a good city manager will be somebody who, first of all, appreciates um, Austin's form of government, which is uh, not a strong mayor form of government, and recognizes that. He or she works for, you know, every member of city council equally, um, but also really has an appreciation for the fact that they are supposed to be executing the vision of city council. So in a sense, they're apolitical. They don't, you know, they're not the ones driving the policy vision, but they should have a deep appreciation for the policy policy vision that's being articulated by council and have, you know, beyond just, you know, council passes direction resolutions and says, we want you to do this. And, but a good city manager more than just sort of, I guess, robotically implementing, you know, following direction has an innate sense of, you know, council's priorities, which of these things is the most important thing that council wants done or that the community wants done and let's prioritize it. And in the past, sometimes you've had city managers that 
you know, they haven't officially refused to do things, but they've just, you know, there's just a deep sense coming from council that like, can we please just do something on this homeless? Like we need to prioritize this homelessness stuff. And there isn't a sense that city management, you know, is treating it differently or treating it with the type of urgency that our elected officials are demanding. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, another thing that's being given to them, another piece of homework. Um, and so I, I think, um, and I think ideally to me, it would be something of a compromise between the very hands-off kind of non-leadership of Spencer Kronk and the extremely active role that we've seen from the current city manager, Jesus Garza, who is much more political, much more involved in policymaking, perhaps in a way that makes some council members a little nervous that he's sort of encroaching on the legislative role. But so the city manager shouldn't be a legislator, but he really should, he or she really should be somebody with a deep appreciation for public policy and kind of an enthusiasm and hunger to implement the vision of our elected officials. Very well, well said, well said. Well, Jack, we'll leave it there for today, but you know, the year is just getting started. So we'll definitely have you on later this month to keep it going with what's going on at City Hall and in the broader market. But Jack, thank you for your time. Jack Craver is the author and owner of the Austin Politics Newsletter. We'll link to that in the show notes. And again, the firm is a subscriber. Very highly recommend as a, as a source of news for City Hall. Thank you for your time, Jack. Thanks, AJ.